0: Hey, I'm Kirsty. I'm AJ. We're two besties who grew up next door to each other and we've managed to stay friends even though we have almost nothing in common.
1: So welcome to the How Are We Still Friends podcast, where two opposites look at what life's like on the other side of the fence. Hey everybody, it's the end of 2021 and no. I don't know how I feel about it. How do you feel about it, AJ?
0: Yeah. Uh- 2021 was not an awful year for me so I am not of the the band of people who are sort of saying you know lighting fire to the year and saying adios and you know, heralding 2022 as our saviour for the year. I don't think that's going to happen at all, folks. I'm sorry to let you down. but
1: Well, we did that at the end of 2020. And for most people, I don't think 2021 was much better, particularly if you're measuring the year in lockdowns, which I think is the way a lot of Melbournians measure the years these days.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you have a look at any historical event, very few uh, bookend themselves with a New Year's Eve. You know, current events tend to (laughs) ignore (laughs) the Christian (laughs) calendar.
1: (laughs) What a good point you make, actually. (laughs) That is a really good point. So maybe bring on, I don't know, March or something. Usually we're out of lockdown in March and everything's feeling a bit better by then. So maybe we'll just make March the start of the new year then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's our golden period.
1: <laughs> um, March is actually a good month because that's when Hux has his birthday. And that was, a, that was a little high for us this year was um, early in March. We were just, just out of lockdown by like a week, I think. And we were able to throw a party for my little guy who turned one and um, Which was a really great day because it kind of was also a bit of a celebration of getting out of lockdown and seeing Mm. everybody again, which was nice. I Um, think it
0: might have been a little bit stressful for you. Oh, (laughs) just a little bit of not knowing what was going to happen. And then, you know, your style is a backyard barbecue, not a sort of big event. Yes, I
1: definitely wanted a backyard barbecue, but because of Uh, visitor restrictions to your home we couldn't have that because we couldn't quite get our numbers down even just with immediate family I think it was 15 or something in that stage but we were allowed to have 100 plus at a venue so we ended up hiring a hall and making it a thing and let me tell you I won't be doing that again (laughs) next (laughs) kid gets a backyard barbecue or nothing at all
0: (laughs) all right well here's to hoping we're out of lockdown and there's no restrictions then god please
1: (laughs) so um that was one of my highlights for the year what was one of yours aj
0: well actually march was one of my low lights my oh. low lights yeah. so sorry that
1: my my party was so disappointing <laughs> for you that you know didn't even make the list
0: it, it might highlights. have been april it might have been april around that time of year yeah this is a, a still a delicate one for me to talk about i still have a lot of uh, guilt and shame around it, but a girl on Instagram called me a bully. And uh, the right. immense guilt and shame I felt around that uh, put me under bed covers for two days. Um, we have established uh, that I was not bullying at all, a woman mis-
1: objectively. Yes. Objectively, you were not a bully. I don't think. I don't think there would be any person that I know that I would less associate with the term bully than you.
0: (laughs) Yes. As a chronic people pleaser, it is my worst nightmare Mm. to be called a bully. Um, Especially as, you know, I've had bullying experience as a child as well, but look, I sent out an email, it was meant to be jokey, but I heard someone and she called me out on Instagram without naming me, but it was a big realisation of what it meant to be in the public space that this kind of cancel culture that we do have going on none of us are immune to it at any point in time especially if we have a public image as I did on my business account so that was a horrendous horrendous time but it also was a moment where I pulled out some health self-help books and watched a couple of TEDx talks and (laughs) got myself through that period and you know I feel like I'm sort of maybe not more equipped, we'll find out, but but I would just have some more tools in my toolkit to deal with that sort of thing if it happens again.
1: I feel like you can't come out the other side of something like that worse off than before in terms of, personal development and your ability to handle those <laughs> kinds of challenges next time so maybe maybe I'll just randomly test you out next year I'll call you a bully sometime and we'll just oh see how you handle it
0: <laughs> my stomach dropped at the very suggestion please do not do that
1: <laughs> oh you poor thing no, us been talking about
0: this in a public space but so there you go yeah. I didn't I didn't learn my lesson about hiding away <laughs>
1: No one needs to hide. I think just be out. Just put your stuff out there. People can take it or leave it. Yeah, She says safely from behind her microphone with our five listeners. (laughs) Right? (laughs) A very small audience.
0: (laughs) Yeah. In terms of highlight, I don't have a particularly strong identifiable one because in previous years, it's been things like, oh, I hiked a glacier in Iceland or I Mm. you know learned to ride a motorbike in Bali I don't know but like you know it was very identifiable highlights for me whereas I've sort of been challenged to find highlights that are gentler like more low-key like kind of just finding a contentedness in life really I would say Mm -hmm. that 2020 was a huge struggle for me in terms of uh, losing my identity as a traveler and Mm. sort of really feeling like I was no longer an interesting person (laughs) because I wasn't traveling anymore. But 2021 made me realize that in the right setting, I can be entirely content being at home, being in one space, and find these moments of joy um, and sort of probably a more stable emotional state <laughs> than when I travel. Um, so like my highlight perhaps would be the two weeks I've taken off all year, no work whatsoever. And I honestly just drove down to East Gippsland in um, Eastern Victoria and visited my parents for two weeks. And that was like a really wonderful chill time.
1: Still technically traveling away from home. So your highlights are still when you're not at home. So <laughs> I don't know, the people you live with might just want to listen to this and, uh, take on board the message (laughs) that you don't want to be around them. You're happiest when you're away. (laughs) Maybe
0: a key highlight would be when I'm not working. You know when yes. my when my mind is free to free to roam and my creativity is free to roam. Uh, one of my highlights would have been the trip we did a few weekends back to mm. the ma, the wildlife sanctuary, which was that was also lovely. Adorable. Actually,
1: I really enjoyed that day. So, um, Hux and I met up with AJ and Steph and Cass, the the Benstead girls, and we went out to Moonlit Sanctuary um, down on the Mornington Peninsula, and uh, basically just spent Spent the day checking out the native animals they have there um, and chasing Hucks around and trying to get him interested in (laughs) basically anything that wasn't moving just didn't exist to him.
0: I don't know. He took an immense interest in rocks.
1: He did enjoy the rocks.
0: From memory, some kangaroo poo.
1: Kangaroo poo, yes, he did enjoy that. Basically, if it's small and it's on the ground, he will pick it up and try to put it in his mouth. Um, we, we actually followed that up with a visit to our local, uh, ho- like hobby farm, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago with our, with my play group. So some other mums and, and kids around Hux's age. And unfortunately we decided to take a route around the farm that involved an extensive bit of walking along a trail between empty paddocks. So nothing to look at, nothing to do, nowhere to stop, no shade, no anything, and of course, Hucks would take about five steps and then he would just sit down on the ground, pick up a handful of gravel, shove in his mouth, just sit there for a bit till I sort I of know. wandered back to him and evacuated his mouth, got bitten several times, uh, picked him up, cajoled him. This you took- got
0: bitten by the Hux?
1: By the Hux, yeah. Oh, it was God. full on. The kid has some like he can generate some pressure with that jaw of his, Ew. I swear. I got caught in a, in between some molars and it was rough. Ew. My thumb was sore for a full day afterwards. <laughs> um, the, thing,
0: the thing that I loved about our little visit to Moonlit was a... I mean, yours and my style of socializing is that I come to your house and sit on your bench stool and we chat until we lose time and then I drive home much later than I was planning. And that's been like, that's been our MO for decades. (laughs) We're not. Well, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on prior
1: to me having a kid the mo was me coming to you and doing it at your yeah, house exactly. and then I had hucks and now you come to my house yeah and do
0: it. <laughs> yeah so we're not very imaginative in our hangs um which of no. course is why we have a um total lack of any kind of interesting selfies or anything like that because we just don't do interesting things together a lot <laughs> so a I really enjoyed this outing as a really fun outing and b it was my very first like outing outing with Hux which was just like you know like I got to share an, a moment with him it was special
1: he's he's fun on outings usually because if he's occupied and he's doing something new he's somewhat easy to manage
0: and he tends to be a bit more fun
1: um but I've just realized as well we still didn't take a
0: selfie when
1: we were I out know. together
0: I went through all of our photos <laughs> and there are a lot of photos of me with Hux I didn't take a single photo of you with Hux and we didn't take any photos yeah. together so we're just really no, bad at we should
1: have got a group shot we're terrible at this, this is awful people would think people would look back at the photos your life and from my life and think that we're not even friends yeah
0: it is actually very true it's very very true it's so sad sad. so speaking of sad though what was your high uh low light
1: Uh, well probably the first thing would be losing my grandpa uh, a couple of months ago he was battling dementia for a few years uh and yeah we were it was in the last lockdown i think um he just had a really sudden decline and the nursing home gave us a call and said, Hey, you better come in and see him. And I think that was a Thursday night. And on so on the Friday, we had to book a time because the center was also in lockdown as a couple of the, Oh gosh, I nearly said inmate. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of the residents. Oh goodness. Me, a couple of the residents actually had tested positive for COVID. So uh, they were, yeah, they were in lockdown, so we were able because unfortunately it was end of life. We were able to go in, we had to be in full PPE, um, and we're only allowed to go in two people at a time. So, my sister Brianna and I went in together on the Friday morning to see him. Um, and you know, it was really nice to be able to see him and say goodbye and annoy him one last time. <laughs> you know, he was never big on. Physical affection, so I sat there and I held his hand, and he was, you know. And then I was trying to, he he was lying there with his mouth open. I was trying to do some oral care to just make him a bit more comfortable, and he's swatting my hand away. Like he was, he. I was clearly driving him nuts, and I thought, perfect, that's, that's that's it, that's us in a nutshell. So, it was lovely to see him, and then he unfortunately passed away. Um, but yeah, everybody got to go and see him before he passed away, and you know he's obviously not no longer in discomfort um yeah so that was probably the the saddest point of my year not not one that I would like to Mm -hmm. dwell on too much um do you have a
0: toughest point like the biggest challenge I'm
1: not sure I I have had probably some medium-sized challenges throughout the year nothing no real huge challenges perhaps perhaps in business I did struggle a little bit with staffing um and income with lockdowns and cancellations due to schools being closed and things like that that's been challenging what about you
0: yeah I mean well there's not a lot I can talk about publicly (laughs) Mm, um mm -hmm, but mm -hmm, yes no I mean you know, I, probably some of the biggest challenges for me are often around um, are often around anxiety. Um, so I've definitely had a few issues with dealing with my own anxiety and with my you know a sense that I'm sort of not a success in my bot in my career, which is not at all true. I know I'm wonderful at what I do, but I just haven't seen the the rapid growth that I see in other copywriters which is not what I even want Mm. in my business anyway. So, you know, it's just comparisonitis when I'm comparing with metrics, I'm not even striving for. So like, that's been sort of a difficult one. Probably, probably my hardest, the thing that I've sort of struggled with the most on a, on a consistent basis uh, honestly would be the sort of um, the climate that we live in. I mean, For me, seeing the riots, I refuse to call them protests. They were not protesters. The riots that we saw in Melbourne towards the end of our very last Mm, lockdown where people were very violent and, um, you know, very non-compliant and just not respectful. They had no um, no actual agenda. They just wanted to go out in the streets and cause havoc. Um, These were, for context... um, Essentially, anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine mandate uh, protests that occurred in the city um, when we were in a very long lockdown. And for me, it seemed to be on par. I mean, it's not on par, but it, I felt the way that I feel like Americans must have felt on the uh, after the storming of Congress um, on the sixth of January. Mm-hmm. I just felt this deep sense of dismay um, that you know the the. The media, in air quote, media agencies that are spreading misinformation, <clears throat> News Corp, <call. clears throat> uh, Sky News, <clears throat> like I got really intensely <clears throat> passionate um, about all of this, but also just sort of just despairing at seeing how highly, highly influential uh, misinformation could be and, and, and how much they could actually manipulate our socioeconomic conditions our our political like everything they could manipulate our society to such a degree it was a real wake-up call i had to really remove myself from um social media and you know i had uh, we we've had consistent protests every single saturday um against maxi- vaccine mandates i've had to install instill a I don't know what the word is. I had to put in place a media ban on Saturdays so I wouldn't have to see any of that. Um, It's been like, it's been very distressing, I think, in terms of that. That's not going to change because Australia has uh, elections coming up, and we all know that that is a rife conditions for, you know, senseless politics. So I'm going to have to prime myself for 2022. Um, maybe disappear entirely online for <laughs> the six weeks leading up to the election
1: you know I mean I would do that anyway just because that's like when the Olympics are I hate the Olympics <laughs> so I just ignore them but but um I think it the interesting difference between you and I is that I that stuff while I 100% agree with you on everything those people are idiots I'll just put it very simply absolute morons um I actually find it maybe too easy to ignore that stuff I, I think feel like i shirking my social responsibility a little bit though by not not paying more attention to it and getting more there's a there's a
0: spectrum here and this means that when there is a cause that I am passionate about I'm loud about it but it means that I also can't ignore Mm. this stuff that I would I would love to not be phased by it I would really love to not be phased by it um that particular sense of dread that I feel when I find out that someone who I liked or who was a friend or whatever uh is buying into a lot of this stuff. It, I, I just feel this deep pit of sadness in my stomach um, and this fear mm. almost about what our society is going to become if we can't become more literate, media literate and just analytical um, and how easy it is to actually uh, take a hold of uh, a concepts such as question everything which is what I was told in my university degree was question everything how a concept like that can be used in such a malicious way of question the scientists question you know question everything and it's like it's not there's no intellectual basis behind it I just work I get worked Mm. up like so this year has been a lot of me having to I in 2020 as well but in 2020 I deleted my Facebook account I didn't I wasn't immersed in it overly much in that space but it's starting to creep into the other networks that I'm on now and it just it hurts me to see us going down this route that we're going down
1: Mm, no I get you I think as well your job involves you being on social media a lot you have to be on social media Mm -hmm. for your income for your job that's what you do I don't have to. So I tend to, I scroll on Facebook a bit during the day, but it's so heavily curated what I'm seeing that I'm literally just seeing like wooden toy groups, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda fan <laughs> posts, um, photos from some friends. Yeah. That's really it. I don't see much. And I rarely go on mm. Instagram these days. Um, but when I do, again, it's just, fr- I don't I don't tend to follow uh, like business or social pages i just follow my friends generally so um i think what i see on social media is such a heavily curated version of the real world that is definitely uh yeah way more left-leaning than is what actually than what actually is out there the kirsty bubble basically yes the (laughs) kirsty bubble that when i join groups for example i remember being so shocked when i joined a facebook group for babies being born in March, 2020, you know? So when I was pregnant with Hux, I joined this Facebook group. Now, the only thing that you had to have in common with these people to join this group was that you were having a baby at the same time. Now, think about that. I was in that group with people who were Trump supporters. We're Aussies and they were Trump supporters. I was in that group with people who didn't understand SIDS and safe sleep. I was in that group with people who just had no idea how to have a respectful discussion with another person if they disagreed on something. It was horrific and totally eye-opening to be like, oh, these people actually exist out there. I've just been living in my kirsty bubble, as you say, and I've just been blissfully ignorant about all the shit blokes that sometimes You know, are surrounding you and you just don't know about it because you have nothing to do with them. And then all of a sudden, you've opened this little door into what the world is like on the outside. And I just wanted to shut it and go back into my bubble. But isn't it funny? (laughs) I don't like these people. That a
0: group that was created probably with a fairly clear purpose of sharing children's milestones who were born in the same month turned into a space that where Trump was spoken of that doesn't even you know like uh, Mm. I think that's the kind of a space we live in now is that it's hard to avoid these sorts of things you know it's hard to avoid I mean it's a really difficult space for us to to navigate when not only have uh, all these sorts of opinions become mainstream, but also they've become so exceptionally polarized. Like it's not there's no middle ground anymore. Yes. It is extreme on both sides, and I'm guilty of that as well, a hundred percent. It's yeah, it's just been globally a sort of unpleasant space to be in. Um,
1: yes I don't disagree my my poor mother-in-law who I love to pieces um she works um in the deli at a supermarket and she is exempt from wearing a mask um medically exempt and she has a sticker or a badge on her hat and on her shirt saying I'm exempt and she was telling me that um one day a little while ago she got yelled at three by three different customers in the day for not wearing a mask Goes so it goes the other way yeah. as well, is that, yeah, we, we have some sort of crazy militant people on the mask wearing side too. Um, but
0: it seems to be a general lack of respect and kindness in these kinds of discussions. Yeah, anymore.
1: absolutely. Yes, that's such a good point. No one's going into it with kindness anymore. Everybody, I think everybody's mm. a bit fed up <laughs> with everything, yes. to be honest. Nobody's got any energy left for this whole situation anymore.
0: It just goes to show you know every generation has its struggles and our generation and the generation above us were particularly blessed to not have to experience too many hardships but if you look at our grandparents or our great-grandparents they had the Spanish flu and the world wars like both of them in their lifetime and people just learned to 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 sort of rally together and get shit done you know um and i i feel Mm -hmm. this deep sense of sadness that we're just not the resilient generation and when called upon to do something for our communities for our societies we are so entitled that we can't do it we just it's it's an impossibility to give up any kind of comfort um fully understanding of course There are many people who've been exceptionally hard hit by lockdowns, and it has not been easy. It has been a challenge for many, many people. But, uh, yeah, it's a a tough space. But anyway, we have gone through a number of lockdowns. I dispute the argument that we are the most locked down city in the world. People Google it. We are not. And that is a nice bit of misinformation that is bandied about. Interesting. Tell me. We are not. Uh, there are a number of cities in uh, Chile that have had longer accumulative rates of lockdowns than us. Um, Buenos Aires went something like 226 consecutive days in a much stricter Whoa. form of lockdown than we did. 226, I think. I think. Look, I'm, you know, I'm pulling this, but it was 200 mm-hmm. and something. It was over a hundred more days than Melbourne had had in a consecutive lockdown. So. You know, I, I dispute that. But anyway, we have been one of the most locked down cities in the world. So how did you entertain yourself? Let's do a <laughs> 2021 wrap up. Uh, well, Spotify style. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you've already seen my Spotify most played. And uh, yes, I do have the... Um, Distinguished honor of being in the top 0.1% listeners of the Wiggles. Mm. So really grateful for that the wiggles oh god yep.
0: but it, well, it did get me through the lockdown it kept me entertained it kept my kid entertained. it kept him sane. yeah well I mean mine Mine was just a classical music because I whack classical music on my laptop and then forget it's there while I'm working so mm. mine's completely inaccurate like I do listen to a lot of classical music but not actively
1: <laughs> yes no well I wasn't actively listening to the wiggles either although I, I hope do not do sing it in my sleep <laughs> <laughs> no, um in terms of the the media I consumed, we watched um In the Heights, the Lin Lin Le-Lin Manuel. Is that what you call him? Lelin Manuel. Lilin Manuel,
0: I definitely do. A combination of Lilin Chin and lin Manuel Miranda.
1: Miranda. So he um it's one of his musicals that was turned into a movie this year. So we watched that. Um, a few times, and have listened to the soundtrack many times on repeat. Tux is pretty much learning Spanish just from listening to that soundtrack, which mm, is awesome. Per mundo, no me diga. <laughs> <You're not laughs> supposed to be able. to. Anyway, that was great. So we loved that. Um, we also loved Ted Lasso. Yes. Now I know you also loved Ted Lasso. Yes, I although was...
0: <gasps> no spoilers. I haven't watched season two yet. Have you still not watched season two? I started watching it and I got two episodes in, but it's December and it just felt wrong watching a non Christmas thing in the middle of December. So I'm gonna wait. So you don't know that Ted died? <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I think not. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. Ted, Ted Lasso, The Legacy, Season 3.
1: <laughs> I, Ted Lasso, The Friendly Ghost. You know, he would just be <laughs> dropping like
0: one liners. Oh, yeah. God. He would be the most annoying ghost. Anyway, loved that show. The, yeah. The- there is something about Ted Lasso, it's just so wholesome and wholesome. I think in perhaps in a time where there's as we've said like not a lot of wholesomeness this is mm-hmm. just pure beauty like it's just and wonderful. it doesn't
1: take itself too seriously no. the first season I'm referring to the first season in particular it's just fun it knows what it is mm-hmm. it's not trying to win Emmys or anything like that even though it did you know like it's just it's yeah. being cheesy, wholesome fun, and I love it. So how
0: absolutely wonderful is the woman, uh, the one who won the Emmy? Rebecca. What? Rebecca. Yeah, the main character. I've forgotten she, her name, but yeah. She is Fabulous. also in another one. Hannah Waddington. Hannah Waddington. So she's just elegance, um, like through and through. Um absolute crush on her but she's in one of my other things you didn't know shows. she was
1: you didn't make the connection that she was in both after having watched no. both right
0: uh it I took remember me you telling me that a long story. time yeah it took me a long time um so she's in sex education which is a show that we discovered in last year's lockdown I believe and uh, and I finally told you about it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yep, if anybody is a fan of um Oh well, I mean, ten things I hate about you. It's got that yeah, vibe, doesn't yeah, it? That ten yeah. things I hate about you vibe to it, kind of like an American school transplanted into the middle of Wales. Um, but it's just, it's it it confronts some really deep topics in a very humorous way.
1: Mm, mm, or- I, yeah, it's it's on the surface, it's a it's a teen show. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's not. I think it was kind of a teen show made for adults. I hate teen shows. Like you can't put me in front of the OC or Pretty Little Liars or anything like that. I'm not going to watch that. I hate teen shows. I mean, I did used to like Gossip Girl. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) but I generally don't do teen shows at all. Um, But this, even though it's about it is about teens, really does feel like it's aimed more at our sort of millennial generation. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, well, they're
0: very. You know they don't hide <laughs> I nice. mean the first scene which oh. I was watching with my cousin and her Christian oh. friend <laughs> the first scene is just an outright <laughs> how do you ex- describe it <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
1: I I don't want to describe it really
0: no it's it's very it's very graphic I mean it's very graphic it's very confrontational if you are a virgin <laughs> let's put it that way. But it's beautiful because it's very organic. It's a very organic sex scene. Like it just, it's not... You know, some romanticized sex scene where the woman's huffing and puffing, and you know, like it's very just matter of fact. And I love that about a lot of the show is it's just so matter of fact. I can see Kirsty's like the look on Kirsty's face. You're trying to remember exactly what what the I scene was is. trying
1: to remember who the characters were, and I just remembered. Yes, yeah, yeah, I remember because it was a yeah. long time ago that I watched that first scene, but I do remember turning it on and being like, "Oh, okay, so yep. the show called Sex Education is actually going to be about sex." Sex, got it. <laughs>
0: But that is a wonderful and we had season three come out this year. So, of course, we went back and marathoned the entire series and that was, you know, that was good lockdown fun. That was Mm. really enjoyable um, stuff. And the season, season three was a little bit, you know, a lot of people didn't like it, um, but I quite liked the topics that were talked about.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. I didn't really feel like a lot happened in season 3 they didn't feel it didn't feel as though there was a really solid plot line and and story mm. arc the characters you know they developed and all of that but i remember it being near the end of the season and i was like nothing's actually happened
0: i think this season. it was it was a difficult topic because of, they had to sort of talk about children or t- teenagers feeling comfortable enough in their own identities, but de- being denied that comfort by the educational system, the strict standards of um, uniforms, um, the sort of there was all I, I feel like there was a lot of discussion of um, gender, mm. you know, mm-hmm. gender fluidity and that sort of thing. And to be honest with you, as someone who you know, as a millennial who didn't, we grew up, I think our, our generation was the first to probably wholeheartedly accept that gays are not evil, you know, to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're fully valid, you know, love is love, all that sort of stuff. But we didn't grow up with the concept of gender fluidity in the same way that the youngest generation have. And so for me, it was almost educational as well to be, it, it sort of challenged my own notions of, um, of things. So it, it's, I think it's a wonderful show.
1: Yeah, I I quite enjoyed it. Um, Daniel enjoyed it too. We would sit down and watch it together. It was good fun. You cheer for your favourite characters and you, you know, which you do with any show, but there are certain characters that you get really invested in. I love Eric. And, you know, when they make mistakes, you kind of just bury your face in your hands and go, why, why did you do that? (laughs) Um, I just get too emotionally involved. I think all of our...
0: Oh, my favourite characters are basically the entire supporting cast except for the two main characters, mm, which I, yes, which I yes. have learned is not actually, I thought everybody would just be infuriated by Maeve and by Otis and yeah. by their selfishness. Don't tell no. me they're not. People think this is an epic love story. What and I've gone online and there are endless stickers of Maeve. Like people think uh, she's this cool kick-ass feminist. No, I don't see it, guys. I'm sorry. I do not see it. She is oh, selfish no, and needs hate to her. grow up. Yes, she's
1: such a child. She thinks a lot of herself.
0: I think that's it. And you know, it's it's very oh, but I had a tough life, and so woe is me. And that is just for three seasons of woe is me. It's like, come on, girl, just move the fuck on now. Like exactly. Or go and get some counseling and get some help to work through it. She's yes, she's she's, so passive. She's so passive as a character. Yeah. Um, everything happens to her. Yeah. Yeah. And and this idea, and I've seen it in multiple shows and that sort of thing, where these supposedly epic love interests, but they stomp all over the people around them Mm. and I remember the in season two the first time that Otis and Maeve go off and have a little ditty fun thing together Otis abandons his best friend and shit happens really bad shit happens to his best friend as a result and there's never any satisfying acknowledgement that he screwed over a best friend big time for a girl and 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 this occurs multiple times Mm -hmm. and so I'm like why are people championing a relationship that becomes so insular that they completely forget about the people around them when it happens and they're horrible to their partners that they, you know, sort of as the romance is butting heads and stuff, they go and take on other partners and they're horrible to these other partners. I don't get it. Sorry, guys. It's a hard no from me.
1: Yeah, no. Unhealthy, toxic, not a really good role model in terms of, you know, how we treat our friends and how we treat those around us. So, no, I hate the main characters. I just love, mm-hmm. as you said, the supporting cast. Everybody else hate the main <laughs> too. No. Yeah, but I'll keep uh-huh. watching.
0: All right. Uh, you are not a ginormous book reader, but is there oh, anyone? Anything-
1: I have one, though. Yes, Ooh. yes, yes. I'm only partway through it. I think I'm like 20% of the way through it. You're, you will have no idea what it is. It's called wow. Not All Diamonds in Rosé by Dave Quinn, and it's all about the behind the scenes of the making of The Housewives.
0: <laughs> Ew, that sounds horrible. <laughs> it's so interesting, though. But you know it's not real, right? Well, it's interesting
1: because some of it is real and that's what they talk about in the book. So they talk to all the executive producers and the producers and the behind-the-scenes team and they also talk to some of the original Housewives as well. And it's written in a, an interview format, um, this, the whole book, I believe. Um, and the shit they talk about each other is just Awesome. There are no filters. It's really interesting. And again, I'm sure the book itself is also quite highly produced, but it is so interesting. Now me reading a book is, is these days not a very common thing. So it's on my phone and I pretty (laughs) much just read 10 minutes while I'm brushing my teeth and washing my face in the bathroom because I cannot single task i have to multitask yep. at all times so i cannot just be standing <laughs> brushing my teeth i have to also be reading a book
0: consuming media of some kind if you haven't listened to our episode before this one you will uh, be in the dark right now well, just had a taste yep. yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> so
1: so it's definitely not a book that i would recommend to you okay um or or probably to most of our listeners let's be real <laughs> but but i'm thoroughly enjoying it but I know that you read a book this year that I also read that I didn't like, and I don't think you liked it either.
0: Boys, boy swallows universe, yeah. yeah boy yeah. swallows universe. It's an it's a Brisbane. It's an a homegrown book which I really wanted to support it so badly, but I just felt like the plot just seemed absent for large large parts of the book but mostly and this is a huge bugbear for me as a writer was that I just felt like there were there were paragraphs there were sentences and there were paragraphs where this dude the writer was so poetic I was like but what the fuck just happened I don't actually know and I would go back and I would read the sentence again and read the sentence again and I'm like nope I don't care how poetic this is I actually have no idea what he's saying right now which does not help to compel the plot forward in the least I felt like it was it the the story had a lot of potential but it just was it was not how I would execute a book it felt to me an attempt to be overly smart on subject matter that could have captured a lot of people's attention.
1: I have to agree with you. I I, I read this, I think, last year because it was a birthday gift last year, so I don't remember it too much, but it took me ages to get through it because I was really struggling to follow it, and so I was not getting drawn in. It was a tiresome read. It, mm. it took a lot of effort as you said, you had to go back and read sentences and reread sentences. And if I, you know, paused and put the book down for the night and came back the next night, I'd have to go back a couple of paragraphs to figure out what was going on. You you can't just pick up and keep going. So it was very effortful. It felt a little pretentious, yes. honestly. It felt like he was writing
0: mm-hmm.
1: beautifully just just to do it and it didn't serve the purpose of the story so I really really didn't enjoy it it was a slog I got through it I don't feel better for having finished it I didn't feel any sense of accomplishment at the end I just felt frustrated yeah the story itself had some interesting point plot points but overall I I really didn't enjoy it at all. Yes,
0: I think I've come to the realisation this year that I have become exceptionally fussy about literature. I, If I'm picking up a book, I kind of want to learn something. Even if it's a fictional book, I want to come away with something powerful or be moved incredibly and so like especially Australian novels have this habit of trying to be very incisive and and raw and gritty but I feel like they do it uh, at the sacrifice of plot or at the sacrifice of clarity or you know their characters can actually be quite wooden because they're so focused on uh, the art of telling the story that they don't actually tell any story at all um so I, I large parts of this year I read fic- uh, non-fiction books did I say fictional before or non-fiction anyway I always I don't remember I always get I knew movie. what you meant yeah. so yeah So I've been spending large parts of this year reading nonfiction books. And my favorite, I've got two favorite books. And one of my favorite books was a book. And like, it blows my mind that I'm going to say this. My dad will be so happy. My favorite book this year was about maths, which is just. Ew yeah I know but you know I, I I took on this book with the challenge of I wanted to challenge my own assumptions about how useless I was at maths I wanted to be like is this just you know do I have a prejudice against maths because I'm not good about I'm not good at it or do I believe I'm not good at it because I just don't get it you know all this sort of stuff so I picked up this book a prejudice against maths <laughs> I'm, I'm just sitting here like I'm so prejudiced you, against maths you're reading a book about maths and I'm reading a book about The Real Housewives. I just, no, just you wait till you hear what my second favourite book was. Now that's Real Housewives. So continue. So the book was just, it's called Enigma. Oh, fuck. No. Was it called Enigma? Nope. it wasn't called Enigma. It was called The Fermat Fermat's Last Theorem. And the dude who wrote it, Simon Singh, the storytelling was just so amazing that like he would tell the sort of chronological order of the unveiling of this theory um but he would mention all of the mathematicians involved and he'd find all of the really odd quirks about their lives so he talked all about this one mathematician who contributed to the theory and how she was a girl and she wasn't allowed to go to university so she pretended to be a boy and you know facts like this and I was like why are people not writing stories like creating movies about these people because like it just kept me on the edge of my seat and this was a mathematical novel like it was or book. It was amazing. Um but the second one was A Thousand Splendid Suns. <gasps> Never heard of it. Okay, so it's by Khaled Hosseini. I'm probably saying that wrong, but um I, oh my god, this book this book broke my heart a thousand times over. It's fictional, but it's set in Afghanistan and honestly, if you had read this book 1 year ago, You would have finished it with hope, but of course I read it Mm. this year and it, it is a story all about women, two women in Afghanistan going through all the different kind of regimes that Afghanistan has gone through, like the Soviet regime followed by the warlordism, followed by the Taliban, followed by the Americans and the shit that these women had to go through. And the book is written in such a way that you know that this, like someone in Afghanistan is going through this right now. Like you just, Mm. you know, and oh, it a thousand times over, it broke my heart. Like I just, I put it down and I was like, that was a bloody masterpiece. Like that, it's, I cannot explain just how gripped I was. And I mean, it's hard. It's so hard to read because the treatment of women in this country, I mean, It was also really hard to read in the context of my own country where people are declaring dictatorships and discrimination based on choices that they've made. Whereas, you know, in Afghanistan, I was sitting there reading this book about women who aren't allowed to leave the house or laugh or wear clothes that reveal their face because they were born without a penis. Like, it's just the perspective that it brings to your life and the compassion that it brings to much greater situations than oh, it. was a it was a mind-blowing. So I highly, highly recommend that one if you can handle the read.
1: See, the interesting thing there is, is that that obviously stirred up a lot of emotions for you, mm. including probably some that didn't leave you feeling great. I don't want that when I'm reading. <laughs> like, I'm reading for escapism. I'm not reading feel thing. yeah oh gosh that sounds terrible I want to I want to kind of just I like light generally fun reads that aren't too deep so I'm uh, not no yeah, I, I, I do understand
0: I do understand see I watch things with that same purpose. So, mm. especially in the last 2 years, I've been very protective of sort of what moves me and and how. So, I've eliminated any kind of violent gore from from my viewing and it's all like Shit's Creek and you know, like mm-hmm. very Best show
1: ever by the way. Yeah,
0: exactly. Very lighthearted sort of fluffy stuff. Um, although Shit's Creek is so deep. But anyway, um mm-hmm. it's stuff that makes me feel really good. Um, but that's like my nightly viewing when I'm winding down, if I'm on a lunch break and I just want something, you know, that can switch my mind off. For me, reading is such an active task that mm. it is, it, it, it requires something of you. So I want to receive something in the return. So my friend recommended a beach read to me um, when I went on my holiday um, in mid-year and I just couldn't get through it fast enough because it was such a bore. It was just the, the the characters were cardboard cutouts of, you know, the sort of Mills and Boone style. I just couldn't, I just, I walked away going, well, I just wasted my time. I didn't learn anything except how not to write a romantic novel. You know, like I just... <laughs> It's like the Hallmark Christmas movies, you know, it's like, mm. here's the template, go at it. But, you know, I mean, I, I've noticed with a lot of these Hallmark Christmas movies, and in fact, with a lot of these these sort of Mills and Boons type type books that um the women are Objects that are ogled by the men. Like it, the, the format is always that the men are fascinated by the women or, in fact, the main character. And the main character is almost always a woman, but I've also watched one recently where it was a gay man. But they're, these main characters are actually really self-absorbed. And when you watch the unfolding of this romantic relationship, it's always the man trying to figure out the mystery of the woman they're chasing. And there's never any reciprocation. There's never any. So what about you? Tell me, why you? here like you know you don't know who these love interests are you're not in I
1: I, I totally see what you're saying I don't watch that kind of stuff either because that would drive me a little bit crazy I get what you're saying but also I think that there's a very large market out there for that stuff and that's
0: why it keeps getting mad yeah well I mean there are a lot of people who just want pure escapism and that predictability of a plot line Mm. and they don't want complex characters and you know like but I suppose because I'm an aspiring writer I love art in its deepest form I love stuff that moves me and so if I engage in something that doesn't move me in some way then I walk away feeling like well that was a bloody waste of time there aren't enough minutes in my lifetime to watch everything I want to watch and that one didn't move me god damn it
1: (laughs) well speaking of moving people I hope we've moved you all this year listeners with our with
0: our new podcast. Yes, so. How was that segue? Here's a question for you all. What is your favorite podcast of 2021? <laughs> Oh, mate, that was cheesy. <laughs> so cheesy. <laughs> it's clearly us, though. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, obviously. I can't. I have no other answer to that apart from how are we still friends, the podcast. <laughs> um, but thanks for being with us this year. We will be back in 2022 uh, with some more episodes for you to listen to. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at still friends Pod.
0: And we will see you next year. See you next year, guys. Bye.